Hello, world. Welcome back to the Gymnasio Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Kobliska, and I am here with one of my good friends. His name is Michael Hughes, the owner CEO of Gymnasio. And today we're going to be chatting about a magical part of our body called the knee. And believe it or not, this podcast, we will probably mention the knee very little after we talk about the biology uh, and, and what the knee does, but more so what the knee helps us do and how it acts as a communication channel from our ankle to our hip and our hip down to our ankle and essentially just kind of busting the myth of that knees are bad. You know, knees are not bad. Ankles aren't bad. Hips aren't bad. Body parts aren't bad. We just don't know how to make friends for our body parts. And we're going to kind of go a little bit deeper dive into what we mean by friends and how the knee is not a bad thing. Even if you've got a hurt knee, a dysfunctional knee, an injured knee, how can you make that knee better and thrive uh, in its environment? Not just in fitness and in the gym setting, but in everyday life. And when you do get a ping in the knees, what do you do with it? What do you do with that information? Do you go to your doctor and you say, hey, I got knee pain? And the doctor says, hey, don't do what you're doing. And you said, I was just walking. You just stop walking the rest of your life. We're going to figure out what you can actually do with that knee discomfort and uh, pain. And when it arises... How do you help it out? How do you make it better? How do you help it go away and uh, avoid knee surgery as long as possible? Welcome to the Gymnasio Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnasio has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. So without further ado, Michael Hughes, welcome to the podcast. Super amped to be here and super amped, I have to say, to be at the new podcast table, oh, man. to be at the new setup. Just if you're watching on uh, YouTube, you know, just throwing it out there to you, you know, something a little different, a little spicier, but a little bit more room to play, expand our minds because our minds were getting a little bit, a little bit tight on that table. You know, there's so much good thinking going on. Now we have ample. I feel space. I, I just know. feel room. It's, I know. It's almost like being in the backseat of a luxury car. I think know? my breath is getting deeper just sitting at this table. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you mind uh, diving into the biomechanics of the knee or just how you kind of look at the knee? Somebody walks in and just says, here's my knee. How do you see it? What are the parts of it? How does it move? Uh, maybe start with what you learned in textbook and then what you've uh, what you've learned since then? Yeah, I think that's a great kickoff. Um, the knee is like I honestly thought it was like a thing, like like the knee is like its own individual piece, and that's how I thought about it. It's like oh, that knee, gotta do some knee exercises, gotta do some terminal knee extensions, maybe strap some bands to it, and make sure that that knee, etc., is really functioning very well, and that's kind of what how I was taught. It's it's uh. You know, I've, it's really funsy. Like, it's this, it is two things. The knee is two things. Uh, any joint is two things. It's the top half and the bottom half. 
Hmm. And I never thought about that. I thought it was like its own individual piece. And the reason why, like, I would say the hip is its own individual piece or the shoulder is its own individual piece, but the knee is not. Like, that's how I would say it because it is so, it is second fiddle. You know, it's backup guitar. It's not lead vocals. You know, it's really the assister. You know, I look at it, it's kind of like, not even the Scotty Pippen to the Michael Jordan, it's even further than that. It's like the, it's like the equipment man manager, you know? Really important, but gets way too much hype. Well, I don't mean the equipment manager, I'm going too, too far for that one. But long story <laughs> short, it is the, um, it's the foot and the, and, and the hip, I'm just going to say it. You know, that's just, I just went right to it, too, too fast. But the knee is really the follower. It's the, it's the trail. It's the assist, it's the backup singer for how everything goes and how I look at it as I certainly look at where it goes without a question. Like a knee in a movement assessment, I really watch the knees a lot. But I watch the knees not because I don't really care what the knee is it doing itself because it tells me what the hip and the foot is or is not doing. That's really, really powerful. So it seems that like the knee is this converging point of if your foot just kept going into an ankle and kept going right. into your hip, it's this dividing point that's essentially going to tell you what your hip is doing, what your foot's doing, or what they're both doing, or yeah. what they're not doing, it's, right? It's really more what they're not doing. Because if the foot and ankle and the hip are really doing their job, the knee is kind of like, I don't even feel it. It's not even there. It's just this thing that has a nice little knob on the very top of it that whatever. Like, to me, that's what a knee should feel like. Um, it's a transmitter of energy, right? It's not supposed to absorb it. And when it does, well, the, the cartilage can only take so, so much. The ligaments can only take so much. Um, there's really no muscles around the knee. Hmm. But, like, the hip, like, it's, it's encapsulated by muscle. The shoulder, encapsulated by muscle. Uh, ankle's a little different dog, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't really have the same kind of feel, bit because the ankle foot's a real special joint. You know, it's both. Yeah, so it's, that, it's really both. So, so that knee's a basically a continuum. It's a continuum. I see it like almost like a spectrum. You yeah. know, you've got, if you think about what's attached to your hip and what's going to your knee and what's attached to your ankle and what's going up to your knee, right? We've got our quadriceps. Mm -hmm. We've got our hamstrings. Yep. Front, we've got front, our, front back. Yeah, front and back. We've got our adductors. Yep. Uh, we've got our calf muscles. Yep. Not both, but you get the gastroc, right? But basically there's 10, I think there's 10, Major main muscles that attach around that knee. You just named 13 of them. I, I just counted. Yeah. Well, quads I counted as one. Hamstrings <laughs> I counted as one. So, hey, <laughs> there we go. We're, we're around 10. Um, and essentially, you've got your, your ligaments. You've got tendons that surround that, that knee. Yep. Um, and we've got to consider what's the communication like going through that muscle group down into your calf. And same thing when your calf is going up to your, your leg. We know our knee can... And it's also bones, right? You've got your femur. You've got your top of your tib. You've got and a patella. Yeah. I think that's it. I don't Tibia, fib. I mean, the fib's kind of like, it's there. It's side. But, it's, but yeah, tib's really tib's what's the going main, to the Yeah, is the main animal. And, and, it's, it's, and it's really true. Like, um, I want to just realize that it's so important to understand how chain reaction movement works, right? And what I mean by that is, like, how your foot works in stepping on sand, stepping on a board, stepping on grass, stepping on whatever the case is, not stepping on anything, floating in water, kicking through water, and really understanding how that knee can get over, overworked so quickly when these crazy mobile, I mean, highly, highly intelligent, I'll, I'll use the word, the hip and the foot are highly intelligent, adaptable um, movers. You know, they can, they, can really, they can really shake up a lot of capacity 
in terms of how athletic someone is, how strong someone is. Um, they really sneak in a lot of movement. So I think about like throwing around a mace. You know, if you're brand new at, at a mace, you get a lot of turning of the whole thoracic spine versus you just do a little quick whip of the hips. And you're like, and you feel the whole, that just spinal engine get activated through the pelvis. Same thing with like the one inch punch, <laughs> you know, like what really moved, you know? And what didn't? Like, I know. What needed to stay stable? Everything moved to a certain extent. I almost like you bring up this one-inch punch and the, the mason, th- these little subtle motions. Um, I think a visual helps with this. It at least helps me and for the, the visual learners, li- as the further visual learner listeners here, um, I think this will be helpful. I imagine like there's this sphere that surrounds your knee space. Let's say your knee joint. And you get the sphere that surrounds your hip and the sphere that surrounds your ankle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say you got three spheres stacked on top of each other. Those joints could move anywhere in that sphere. Right. Let's, let's not talk about stability or mobility yet, but it could move forward in that sphere, could move mm-hmm. back in that sphere, could slide to the right, slide to the left, could go at any kind of hybrid or angle, like right. anterior lateral, posterior lateral. It could rotate in that sphere, and it can move up, and it can move down, and it can move through space. Yeah. So think in rotation. And almost equally. Translation. I mean, with enough flexibility, right? Almost sure. equally. You're talking about with each sphere? Flexion, extension. Mm-hmm. You know, in in in, in, in rotation different, but you know, like lateral flexion, like you can get that knee, you get splits, hips, anyways. Yeah, like the thing that. about the yeah. hip, it's it's a much fuller sphere, right? You've got a lot of mobility, and it's also going to stabilize your knee. I imagine is a smaller sphere because it doesn't have as much potential to move, just because of how it's formed. It's mm-hmm. built to flex and extend more than anything else. Actually, flexion more than anything else. Extension, mm-hmm. it stops at straight out, unless right. you're hypermobile and it's going to go beyond that, but your patella is going to stop you, right? And then you've got your hip that can move flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, internal external rotation, your ankle, same kind of thing, just to, to a more limited extent. But mm-hmm. your knee, it's like, it just wants to go er, er, that way and that way. If we consider the sphere up on top, that hip, if we need to move our hip side to side, say we're like doing a little booty bump, a little hip shake, we're dancing, or we're trying to do a little juke move, we are doing like a medicine ball throw, just something a little bit simpler, just translating side to side. If our hips can't access that motion, one of those other spheres got to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the knee or the ankle, it's got to go up above. And a lot of times it goes directly to the knee, right? If we have a limited hip mobility and we're going into uh, a lateral lunge and our hip says, all right, I, I can only get so much abduction. I'm loading up my adductors as I'm doing a sideways lunge. Then I hit a breaking point and then either my ankle is going to flop over, mm-hmm. or my knee is going to try to cave inward, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to create a lot of tension or pressure right around the inside of the knee, the medial side. Mm-hmm. Same thing if I'm going to slide to my left and my hip can't slide left as far. My knee might try to bow out to the side. We see it all the time, bailouts, especially if your hip is lacking stability, something like a heavy squat or a heavier lunge. How often do we see a knee do a little sideways wobble right. because our hip is maybe lacking some of that lateral stability mm-hmm. or maybe our ankle is lacking that stability and our knee has to make up for it. Regardless, simply put, if our hip and ankle aren't doing their job, mobility or stability-wise, it's going to come down to that main point and now we've got a bad knee. Right. And that's bad friends. Right. And that's, yeah, it's all about the neighborhood. And uh, I, I perfectly said, any, I mean, that was like something like I wish someone would have told me a long time ago, a long time ago. Fix the knee pain. Let's make the quad stronger, the hamstring stronger, adductor stronger. And that's all I'll do it sitting down in a chair with a band literally wrapped around the knee. Let's look at your knee, right, and work I your know. knee. And <laughs> and I really preach, like, the heartfeltness, like, hey, you want to help somebody, sweet. You're going to do that. 
I'm going to take that band, wrap around the, the back side of that knee joint, and just let the band bend it, and I'm going to straighten it right out. And I'm going to make that knee stronger. And that's really, I mean, it's really a noble fight, <laughs> but it's, it just misses the whole point of, um, of really understanding, like, the hip's so easy to see, right? It's huge. The ankle's a tough one to see, especially when you have, like, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, pretty easy, easy to see. But the knee, to me, the knee doesn't really care about dorsiflexion and plantar flexion as much as the inversion and eversion or the calcaneus, the heel bone moving left to right or spinning left to right, you know, the actual ankle complex. Um, because it's the rotation and side-to-sideness of the knee that really kind of freaks people out, freaks practitioners out, freaks certainly freaks out Instagram, you know, like, oh, don't you put that knee in that in inward rotation valgus position, you're going to blow that thing up. And I really love those comments because I used to think the same way. And I was really like, oh, don't you do that. You know, that, that toe-in squat, bad for the knees. Man, what did we teach ourselves, you know? It's almost like, oh, you drive down that street, you're gonna get, you're gonna get into some violence. That's a bad street to go down. No, yeah, violence has to happen. You don't just get down the street and violence happens. You know, it's like that's it be something has something kind of thrown at it. And um, really understanding, like, if you could really control foot action, you you basically tell the knee where to go. And that's why I say well, the, the hip and the and the foot are so smart, and the knees just. I'm gonna say we're dumb. It's not dumb. It just says, all right, cool. What are you going to do, foot? I'm going to follow you. And if the foot really gets awesome pronation, and if the hip really gets really good, uh, I'm just going to go flexion, just kind of follow me on, on this one, flexion of the hip, um, adduction of the hip, and internal rotation of the hip, and that knee's going to now start flying in. If you have a strong glute, a strong IT band, posterior lateral chain, you have a really strong medial calf that says, I got you. Like, you do what you got to do. And we're just going to spring back and just keep on rocking. Like, how much more access can you have if the knee isn't in fear? Mentally, like your own, you know, like I like to think about the body parts as like it has their own personalities. Yeah. And the knee's like he's, you know, <clears throat> he or she, depending on obviously who you are, you know, really gets this mindset. It's like, I'll take you, I'll go wherever you want to go. It's almost like the man's best friend, the, the dog, like the dog's going to kill itself to save you. The knee's kind of like the same thing. It's like, all right. Show me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to bang myself up real good to save my best friend, the foot ankle, and my best friend, the hip. You're trying to tell me that knee, the knee could be one of the best friends so much so that it will take the fall for the bad friends getting in trouble. Basically. The hip and the ankle. Was, I think, uh, yes. So let's talk about this more, right? Yeah. You talked about a foot position, like toes in, and how like from the outside, without realizing or understanding why, you just see it and go, I've been told this is bad, mm-hmm. and you have a belief now. If we consider our six SFT foot positions, right, challenging the sagittal plane, like we go into a right, right left, in fr- right, right in front of left, left in front, front right, feet frontal wide, plane, feet feet narrow, transverse plane, toes out, toes in. Let's talk about why this is so powerful and so important to for building friends for the knee, mm. building better friends for the knee, right? If we're focusing on the sagittal plane uh, foot positions, right foot in front or left foot in front, what are the main? And we do a squat, let's say. Okay, versus just a neutral foot position. So what are some things that we're, that that foot position will do for our body in terms of proprioception or tissues loading to help our knee out whenever we're in that position? And I'm, I'm going to take the line of 
Are we loading up hamstrings more, adductors more, glutes more? If we just do a neutral squat, we might be hitting all of the above. Right. But let's say we wanted to take our other friends out a little bit, a little bit, uh, just like a one-on-one date, right? We don't want to take the adductors and the glutes and the hamstrings and the quads all for a date. I like let's, one-on-one dates. Let's, let's yeah. focus on what's what friends are we taking out on the date in the sagittal plane when we're going a right foot forward or left foot forward. Okay, focusing on the right knee. Right, so go right knee, right foot, foot forward mm-hmm. to really make it a really one-on-one date. Um, when we squat, like we got to pick some some action, right? Do you want? Yeah, let's do, do squat? squat. Let's do squat. squat. Perfect. When you throw that right foot and foot in front, so that right knee is already much more forward, much more anterior, right? So therefore, you're gonna that that knee is gonna shove itself a little bit further. Um, excuse me, it's not gonna shove itself further. It's gonna get less bend. It's gonna get less bend, but the hip. Up top, it's going to get more bend. So you're going to get less dorsiflexion, less ankle bend, less knee flexion, but more hip flexion. Right. Because that femur is pulling forward. If your right foot's forward, that femur is now in a place right. where the posterior side is going to load more. Right. Exactly. So the left side is going to get way more dorsiflexion because it's already in dorsiflexion. Mm-hmm. It's, pre, it's pre-positioned. The knee is going to get massive amounts of flexion, and the hip's going to get less. It's going to be more in extension. So just by putting ourselves in that position, we've already compromised our left knee. Right, to and save we've supported our right, our right knee. Right, exactly. So it's like, all right, we got to consider now if we added a squat here, is the person capable of doing it? And if they're not, it's not that they have a bad knee. There might be something deeper that we need to go into to say, how can we wake up these friends so that mm-hmm. when they are in a stride stance, they're not having to force their knee to do something that their friends don't want to do. Right. Right? Right foot's forward and we're more flexion. That's going to intentionally load a little bit more glutes in the sagittal plane, hamstrings in the sagittal plane on the right side, mm-hmm. while loading your left soleus, right. potentially, and, and left quads exactly, exactly quite a bit same. more, yep. and vice versa for left foot forward. Right. So we can, we can intentionalize Which is interesting because it's, it's, a, it's, a it's a anterior load on the front side, on the left side, and it's mm-hmm. a posterior load on the right side. So you've, you've supported that right leg. Right. Like it's probably going to be in less pain if you had a right knee discomfort. Right, because it, it, especially with knee flexion, it's flexing less with that squat. And you basically just trick their body and saying, hey, right leg, knee, you're not going to do it now. Hamstring butt you are. Mm-hmm. Now, that might bother their left knee, right? So maybe right foot forward, left foot forward isn't the right call to make better friends mm-hmm. with the hamstrings, with the glutes, with the quads. So then we've got our frontal plane, right? If we're considering the same kind of a metaphor. I like this game. Yep. This is, we haven't had this conversation before. <laughs> no, <that's pretty laughs> this is fun. We go wide feet. Who are we trying to take out on a date? What muscles? What, what tissues are trying to support the knee? You got it. So uh, I'm going to start from the bottom up. Because our feet are wider, and depending if we squat, and i got to say this, right, context dependent, if we squat and go into a little bit more pronation, we're going to get already medial calf. Soleus, right, you know, just call it the soles, but the medial part. And then we're going to trickle right up on the in, inside to the adductors. But especially ones that are more situated left to right. Because a lot of the adductors are situated much more forward and backwards, like a hamstring is. Mm-hmm. There's five of them in there. So, you know, so, and then, um, and then, I mean, that's pretty, and then, ooh, can't forget about those, those, those medial hamstrings. So it's a lot of the medial section. Right. I mean, we think about uh, an MCL, mm-hmm. right? That medial collateral, collateral ligament that's on the inside. And think about how many people tear, especially when they're cutting on a field and that knee dives inward. The support is below and above. And without that calf and without that 
medial hamstring and adductor's ability to decelerate, to drop down, to get that inferior load, we're probably going to see knees cave in to shorten that tension in the calf and in the hamstring. Mm -hmm. So if we notice that, well, shit. We can end up either having, you know, push against a band, which we see a lot of, which then contracts the outer muscles, uh, you know, like the TFL, the quads, the glutes, um, or we just start to find their threshold of success with their wide feet. Like wide doesn't have to be as wide as possible. Of course not. Wide can be outside shoulder width. Right. Wide for them might be shoulder width. They've never gone wider than that. Mm-hmm. So just exposing those loads, exposing those friends to that amount of tension, we immediately start to proprioceptively wake up that medial section, which is now going to support the knee in the long run. That's a very simple way to look at it. This is just for squats, Mm -hmm. but you can then work your way into lateral shifts. And now you're getting some more of that translation and rotation to load up those adductors, right? Mm -hmm. Second, let's talk about the other position for plane. Narrow. So what's, what's loading up more when we go narrow? This is a funky one because your feet are going to stop you from going more narrow. Right. But you could by all definition do a crossover step, which happens all the time in athletics, all the Mm -hmm. time, right? Good old-fashioned grapevine, carioca, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be the opposite, just to keep it simple, right? You're going to get that that peroneus longus, lateral calf. You're going to get much more IT band, which is not really a muscle, but ligament, right? You're going to get the TFL, tensor fasciolata. You're going to get the gastroc, um, gastroc, excuse me. Well, I guess the lateral head of the gastroc, you know what the case is. But um, uh, what I meant to say is the glute medius, uh, glute minimus, glute max, yeah, certainly a little bit squat, more. Flexion, certainly sure, more, yeah. right? Um, and then because you're bringing that knee more inside, you're going to get the vastus lateralis. And uh, I'm curious if the sartorius is getting in there too a little bit more because they got like a little crossover. But you're certainly going to get the opposite of the inside, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get the outside. And I mean, with that, you think about if you sit, then go to crossover, you've got your foot that's yeah. wanting to go into inversion. Right. It's wanting to pull, and that's where a lot of ankle sprains happen. And mm-hmm. if it's not an ankle, it's going to be that outside knee, you know, and then you're going to have an ache and a pain. So often we have individuals come in, um, you know, they went for a, a long run or a hike that they haven't done before, and their knees are shot. And they're like, I think I damaged my knee. It's a bad knee. And we're thinking, all right, what attaches right below your knee space? On your, on your lateral side. It's mm-hmm. your IT band. It mm-hmm. attaches right at that tib-fib front side, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing a lot of hiking and climbing and loading up that TFL glute, you're doing a little crossover stance, you're experiencing that inversion, those tissues aren't trained. It's going to go right to that attachment point, right where that junction is at that knee. It's going to be achy because it's going to be tugging on it. You're constantly loading. That tendon is just yanking. That IT band is yanking on that bone until it feels like tender to the touch. Right. Versus we tend going to go, through itself. And we tend to go right after the knee, right? Right. But we know that goes up where to attach into what muscle? Uh, literally, it attaches at the top part of the hip. Like, yeah, the TFL, yeah. IT band are almost one unit, right? right? It just eventually turns into muscle tissue that mm-hmm. wraps in the lateral hip. So really what we're getting at is that we're just attacking spaces in such a gentle way, you know, that's not overtraining. It's not giving too much momentum or mass. We're simply loading tissues that support the knee by changing up foot position. Yeah. Right, most powerful one that I'd love for you to break down to because you said toes in, mm-hmm. and when you see toes in, toes out, you see toes out a lot more in like power training, lifting. It's great, does one thing which provides more range. But like if we break down the toes in, toes out, why are those so important to understand what's going on when somebody tries to squat? Yeah, I'm gonna go the toes in one because it's much more um, scary. You know, it's it's not as understood. Toes out, simple, right? It's kind of mass like mass media 
toes in, as you roll in, as you get into the more of a supinated foot, even if it's just positioned, it could still pronate in a toe in, right? It's just positioned by all definition. It looks kind of nasty, but... Right, but it's still, I mean, it still <laughs> could, could though. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you're going to be tendency to be more supinated, so more lateral calf's going to be loaded up, right? And, and, but it's interesting, though, to load up the lateral calf, you have to shorten the medial calf. So the medial calf's already, because that, that heel, that calcaneus is already kind of tugged in, so it shortens the, the, the inside, lengthens the outside, like that, that, like that inversion sprain feel for the, for the ankle. But then also, because you, because you take that knee and you literally spin it in, let's say 22 degrees, just for the fun. You know, 45 degrees is pretty in, intensive. I think people like really love the number 22.5. Oh, I like that. Hey. Hmm. That's a good one. It's a pretty number. Yeah. You get those, you get the lateral hamstring, right? Because uh, that, that wraps from back center hip all the way across to that lateral side, that gets lengthened. Then uh, again, from a stress standpoint, the quad's still, but it's a little bit different kind of animal. But then you get the glute max. Because once you rotate that femur internally, that glute max says, you got me on. Like, you got me You got you, me. You basically put on out. a blanket. Yeah, you, you got you your cloak wrapped on. Wrapped it around you. It's a big, big deal. That glute max in the transverse plane, it is... It is like, let's go pick a fight. And, and that's really, really cool. Um, but the interesting part is, like, as your toe in, if your knee follows, your knee's still over your toe. There's nothing changed. Bingo. Just the yeah. position of your foot changed. Boy, if you have a good enough range of motion of your pelvis, your knee says, well, I'm, I'm good with that. That's rock and roll. The hard part about that is because most people are pretty darn tight and the tissue's pretty short on the backside of the hip. It's not a long muscle. You don't have that much range of motion. You're not going to go down as far. You certainly can if you train it, like just with any flexibility. Um, training goes, but you're not going to go down that far, so your range of motion is going to be limited, and therefore your depth in a squat is going to be limited. Oh, and that's a bad thing if you're trying to do a squat and pass a football 1,000 club for your, you know, for, the, for that shirt in high school. These are not 90 degrees. You know? So, um, but what's fascinating about that, though, as you get internally rotated, you've pre-lengthened all those tissues. It's like you've pulled the rubber band back, the bow and arrow back, whatever, further before it even started. Hmm. So it, the power production should therefore be more, but the proprioception may be less. Like your, your own neurons would be like, I don't know about this. So therefore, without confidence, it doesn't really matter. Your brain's just going to shut it down and be like, no, nah, don't, don't try as hard. Don't push off with the same amount of power. Or the case is, but you look at you look at all these sports, you know. You especially look at golf. You look at the backswing of golf, toed in, tennis serve, toed in, throwing a baseball, toed in, throwing a football, toed in, sprinter, toed in. You know, it's like all these different little little things happening. So it's really fascinating. Um, again, we're talking about a knee podcast here, here but it, realizing coming to to, to 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 grips with is that if you're spending all this time on the knee. Um, you're spending, I would say you're spending 98% of your time in the wrong place. I, I think so too. Yeah. It's unfortunately, if, if somebody comes in with knee, I mean, yeah. this is the, the, the truth here is that if somebody comes with knee pain, you need to consider what's above and what's below. Right. You may go after the knee and figure out, cause there may be some big injury there. I mean, if there, if there's an injury, you're not going to solve it by go like if there's a tear or a rupture or you've got something that's getting real funky right you start to go in all these funky foot positions and then make it worse and aggravated no let's talk about just making the knee healthier because it's 
it's just feeling a bit uncomfortable. There's no sign of big damage. There's no bruising. There's no swelling. It's just somebody is coming in with some discomfort and they're, they don't go hike or they don't go run or they don't go do stuff that involves their lower body because it aches their knees. And if somebody's getting some knee pain and discomfort from just doing some everyday activities, squatting down, putting stuff uh, in the dishwasher or up in a, in a counter or just walking up the steps to get to their house, there's something that we need to understand, which is we need to improve this person's ability to do their ADLs. We need to improve their ability to load that tissue yeah. that supports the knee and then to explode, right? If somebody is, a lot of it is, a lot of training is focused on contraction and squeezing and flexing. But we know that eccentric tension builds stronger muscles mm -hmm. and it allows you to accelerate even faster or to power off even faster because you've got a better load, so you're going to have a better explode. So, I mean, the number one thing, if somebody's having pain in a push-off, are they loading, first of all? They may not yeah. be loading at all, right? They, they may just be holding such a contracted state. Their feet are gripping the ground. Their, their knees are flexed because they're afraid of, excuse me, their quads are flexed because they're afraid of falling. They're not breathing fully. And now every step is just squeezing the life out of their knees, literally. Like, what if you just ground your feet, pronate? absorb your landing, mm -hmm. take that shock into your foot and ankle, which does, is designed to, to do that, do that right. not your knee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your knee takes a lot of stress. I think some, there was some stat of like, your knee takes three to four times the, the weight of your body or something. Every, like uh, that much force. Wow. I don't know what that fully means, except that your knee is just taking a lot of stress. But that factoid made me think like, okay, if it's taking that much stress, do we need to teach the knee to do more and more of that? Or can we offload the knee? Mm -hmm. I like that. You know, how do we do that? And what does that even mean? Well, it's about eccentric tensions and about preloading tissues and then going and doing activity. Preload with toes in and do a squat. Don't go to your deepest squat, right? Or don't put 300 pounds on your back, <laughs> yeah. obviously. You know, like, you know, yeah, exactly. Progression, that load potential for change, like anything else. So many people come like into doing else. body weight can build tissue, right. can build muscle, right. can build strength if it's a novel position, right? It's probably less of building muscle mass because you're not loading it with excessive mass, but you're becoming more aware of how that tissue is loading. So neurologically, proprioceptively, you are now doing a better job, a more efficient job of handling that load and weight versus just saying, yep, there's my knee again. Mm -hmm. Well, like, there's like PRP therapy, you know, which is platelet stuff and they inject it into the knee. Like, I, I don't want to discount what they're trying to do there. They're mm -hmm. trying to heal a tendonitis. They're trying to heal a rupture, a tear faster because the injury's there, you know? Like, that's a big deal. Like, to not say, like, well, what are you talking about? You know, well, move it can certainly heal that too, but a, a tear's a tear. Sometimes it needs to be stitched back together. Or just rest. Don't yeah. do anything. You know, so yeah. it's very important that when, once you get that, but the, but the fact that I was like, it got there for a reason, and that reason, because most knee pain is non-contact. Like, how many football games have you seen, NFL football games, someone just running, and they just buckle down, right on the ground. They go to slow motion, and they see that knee just go, bloop. And no, then, yeah. And you're happen. like, and it's, it's like, yep, yeah, well, ruptured ACL, you know, preseason game, whatever the case is, or tore his hamstring, whatever the case is. Like, no one touched him. It's like, yeah, Interesting. I wonder what forces of nature were going on in there at an imbalance for that to rupture its own self. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a different specimen too. Like, if 
they're going to be out there driving hardcore, feet I, in the ground, going max speed, max level. It's a war zone. And there's cleats involved with all kinds of extra right. traction. I get it. I get it. But the point I'm trying to make is that, is that why? Why that happened? You know, versus getting tackled, mm. slide tackled in soccer, literally tackled the shoulder, uh, you know, shoulder pads into the knee joint. I get it. Sorry, hip. Yeah, good, Sorry, yeah, good luck avoiding that good, injury. Yeah, it's just sometimes a bus wins, <laughs> you know, over 300-pound squats. You know, it's just not enough. But it's a concept of really, like, how good is your hip ankle at decelerating, right? That, that whole point you just called loading. At slowing it down so it has that capacity to rebound back, to give it a chance. And uh, I don't know. To me, like, it just goes in this whole point, like, how are you training it? And, like, are you training the knee to be successful, safe, or training it to be dangerous? Like, in, like, all by itself. You know, can you, can you take the knee out on, on a date and say, you got to fly all by yourself. If your hip's not helping you, if your foot's not helping you, how are you going to survive? I mean, talking about the everyday athlete, too. Somebody's just going to go out for, yeah. for, for a walk or for a stroll. Right. If you ask, if you're a coach and you ask your group of individuals, who's feeling a little bit of knee discomfort today? I guarantee it's probably going to be more than half the room. Or nobody will say anything because it's just expected. And mm, that's, I think that's one of the bigger issues is that we're asking questions like, how do you feel today? How's your knees doing? How's your back doing? Oh, it's normal. But a lot of times normal isn't, isn't natural, mm. right? Normal is just what's expected and how we've always gone about things like, oh yeah, I'm getting older or, oh yeah, I ran yesterday. My knees hurt. Normally I take two or three weeks off and then I go run again. It's like, we're going down a downhill spiral if you're coming in daily and your knees are, are hurting. And we're working out and training. If your training is making those tissues worse, it's not training. That's a sport, right? Mm. You want to train to make these tissues as resilient and as efficient and as um, communicative as, as possible, right? They want to communicate to other tissues. So if your training is not simulating what they're going to experience in real life, what those people that you're coaching are going to experience in real life, like stairs, like an uphill or like a downhill, or like grass or like tur um, uh, sand, or mm -hmm. maybe you're on ice. Maybe you're just you're walking around, you're afraid of slipping. It's just down a curb, up a curb. You know, there's, there's different angles, especially on trails. Your foot's going to be everted, inverted, pronated, supinated. It's going to be extra dorsiflexed up a hill, extra plantar flexed down a hill. Right. A There's a reason why knees hurt really bad going downhill, and some people have really bad knee pain going up a hill, right? Let's think about this. You come down a hill, why do your knees hurt? What's not decelerating? Mm -hmm. And what's doing more of it? Your knees are probably trying to drive forward, right. and you're thinking about your steps like... When I come downhill now, I just like toe in a little bit. I walk sideways a little bit. I, I spread the wealth to like the TFL, to the adductors, to the yep. hamstrings. And then I go straight down, get the quads burning a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then kick it back again, a little toe out. Mix a little up. toe in a little bit. Exactly. And I love that. Like, how do skiers stop? Sideways. Toe in. Or sideways. Oh, yeah. yeah. Toe in or sideways. Exactly. Slow down, toe yeah. in. And Slow down. Or yeah. how, do they how do they diverge forward downhill motion? Not by going forward. Get I that, mean, get doesn't that. mean that the quad can't hit it. Doesn't mean that, that the soles mm -hmm. can't can't hit it. Doesn't mean that to me a good old fashioned posterior sled pull, get those suckers tuned up. But that's concentric though. What about the opposite? You know, it doesn't have that. It's so funny. Like we can get them strong, but strong doesn't make them elastic. It actually, it actually through the rebuilding process removes the elasticity. It makes it makes it tighter. Yeah, compact and supports, and it's protecting like an own brace. But right, it's like, your tissue. Exactly. So it's really funny. Like bring, make, making the knees 
a lot of people say, I, want, I was told I got to make the muscles around my knee stronger. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, you don't. I mean, that's Yes, the, but we also see hip and ankle as the knee, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, do you really want to do that? Or do you want, you know, like, let's first talk about where the pain, like, why is the pain there? You know, I think it's a really important question. If you're listening and you have a client who has knee pain, if you have knee, knee pain, you have to ask, when does it show up? And where is it in the knee? And knee yeah. is not a knee, right? You right. got a front knee, you got an inside knee, you got an outside knee, you got a backside knee. Right. Because that's going to tell you a lot of the story. And if it's a deceleration issue, okay. Probably quad, probably calf. Again, I'm just making a general statement. If it's an acceleration issue, probably hamstring. Again, not, not 100%. But you're kind of looking at these different aspects of like, oh, wow, I didn't say the knee at all. You know, and it's really interesting to find out like, like when I realized that the soleus didn't cross the knee joint and only the, only the gastroc did, I was like, oh, wow. So what's that mean to the physics of it, you know? And really, so the soleus, which is a bigger muscle than the gastroc, it doesn't look like it, but it's sneaky down there. It's a big beast. It's a big, it's like real it's long, long and muscle, flat. Yeah. It's long and flat. And it really dominates the, the tibia, dominates it. So if you're going downhill and you have this femur going forward, and you have this tibia being ripped backwards by an unresponsive, too tight, whatever you want to call it, um, soleus, you're going to get that shearing on that knee and that, and that patella tendon or whatever is going to be just nasty. It's going to be nasty. I, I think what we see, too, is a lot of games of tug-of-war on people's bodies. Like, it, the tug-of-war is always there, mm, nice but it needs to be a friendly game of tug-of-war. You know, if there's a lower joint and an upper joint, you got your ankle and you got your hip, and they're both pulling apart, they wanna, you want to pull that knee up to your hip, or the ankle saying, no, I'm really tight, i got to pull you down to, to me. Now the knee is like, shit, man, who do I go with? And it just goes forward, or it just goes backward, right? And I think what happens is... A lot of knee discomfort isn't from dysfunction. It's from overtraining one part of your leg, like mm -hmm. around. It's only just your quads are training. Like how many people do you see squat? They ain't got squat. There's no glutes in there. They're squatting, but they are all quad. Cyclists especially come in. Not dogging on them, but I know that we probably need to develop their glutes a little bit more because they're probably not getting a full load. They're just driving their calves, driving through the quads, and they're playing a game of tug of war downward, and we need to pull them back up to their butt right? If they're all the knee and you're squatting and your knees are going over your toes, nothing wrong with that. But have you ever squatted with your knees over your toes and your butt pushing backwards? Mm -hmm. So now you create length in the hamstring, upper hamstring, right? Uh, or you create length at the glutes. So now let's say, oh yeah, I do a lot of split squats, right? One foot forward, other foot, other foot forward. Great. You create a little bit of rotation in your hip, right? Give it some quad work and some calf work. But now you are always doing split squats. You're always doing neutral squats, always toes straight ahead or toes a little bit out. And now you've been doing that for months. Your legs are stronger than they've ever been, but your knees are also hurting more than they ever have. Ah, hmm. oh, man, I'm training too much. Maybe we're just training too much in one direction. Maybe we need to get those other muscles that also go into your knee, not just the front side on the patella, and that patellar tendon and then those quad, but into your adductors and into your uh, IT band TFL and glutes. We start to incorporate the frontal and transverse plane toe positions that now you start squatting like that, you're squatting way less weight and you're doing a lot more reps, but your knees don't hurt. And now your knees are not inflamed anymore. And now you go back to do what you were doing before and you're stronger. Yeah. What happened there? <laughs>
I, I think what we see too is a lot of games of tug of war on people's bodies. Like the tug of war is always there, mm, but it needs to be a friendly game of tug of war. You know, if there's a lower joint and an upper joint, you got your ankle and you got your hip, and they're both pulling apart. They want to you want to pull that knee up to your hip, or the ankle saying, "No, I'm really tight. I got to pull you down to to me." Now the knee is like, "Shit, man, who do I go with?" And it just goes forward, or it just goes backward, right? And I think what happens is. A lot of knee discomfort isn't from dysfunction. It's from overtraining one part of your leg, like mm-hmm. around. It's only just your quads are training. Like how many people do you see squat? They ain't got squat. There's no glutes in there. They're squatting, but they are all quad. Cyclists especially come in. Not dogging on them, but I know that we probably need to develop their glutes a little bit more because they're probably not getting a full load. They're just driving their calves, driving through the quads, and they're playing a game of tug of war downward, and we need to pull them back up to their butt right? If they're all the knee and you're squatting and your knees are going over your toes, nothing wrong with that. But have you ever squatted with your knees over your toes and your butt pushing backwards? Mm -hmm. So now you create length in the hamstring, upper hamstring, right? Uh, Or you create length at the glutes. So now let's say, oh yeah, I do a lot of split squats, right? One foot forward, other foot, other foot forward. Great. You create a little bit of rotation in your hip, right? Give it some quad work and some calf work. But now you are always doing split squats. You're always doing neutral squats, always toes straight ahead or toes a little bit out. And now you've been doing that for months. Your legs are stronger than they've ever been, but your knees are also hurting more than they ever have. Ah, hmm. oh, man, I'm training too much. Maybe we're just training too much in one direction. Medial, is it called the VO max? I, I always, I haven't I thought you're going to go time. talk about VO2 max, to be honest. Oh, I was not like, VO. I don't know if we're going that No, far. it's not VO2 I think it's called the VO, VO max, something like that. I haven't said that phrase in such a long time. I haven't even said it, but like, I remember people talking about like that, that medial uh, quad muscle. And it's like, it's almost like a separate muscle in some people's minds. And hmm. they, you got to get that real strong. So it tracks that calf or tracks that patella more You're talking immediately. VMO? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like, what's the VMO? VMO, man. I gotta write that down. I can't believe I haven't said that word in so long. Yeah, which is a testament, about. everybody, that how I have disassociated myself. That's a hip and ankle, man. There's no <laughs> knee in there. <laughs> it doesn't even exist. What I said, I said VO Max. That's right, close. That's great. VMO. Oh my goodness. I hope someone's laughing. I am. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. The yeah. VMO, like, oh, you got to pull that patella over. You know, you got to get that guy strong. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think you're just trying to pull the train to make it line up versus how about you just fix the track? You know, and that whole concept mm-hmm. of, 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 of over-focusing on that zone. Um, anyways, sorry, I'm going to come back to I'm going to give you a fun fact about the patella to be, to be a little, little share of some fun. Uh, your patella believe it or not, is just as unique to you as your thumbprint, your fingerprint. Boy, Everybody's patella is different. I knew it was special. I just didn't extra know. special. Some people's patellas are higher, some are lower, some are larger, some are smaller. That's interesting, though. And really? even as a baby, it's not even bony, it's cartilage. So that thing is developing, I think, is like between the ages of like two and six, depending on the impact and what you're doing walking around. That thing is cartilage and then hardens as you're growing. I think it's pretty significant, especially as you're learning to walk and your body's learning to handle load. That patella is learning how to track itself based on how you're walking. And I, you know, I would imagine that if you, you know, have been in one of those like bouncy uh, rings or whatever that's oh, supported, like your man, pelvic core is supported, you that your knee never yeah. fully develops. If you spend a lot of time in that little bouncy thing, that your hips are now not as strong. 
because you in the development developmental stages it was supported. I have a story about this and popping. Yeah, yep. and now your knees are not going to be as strong, and then you end up either bow legged or toe in, or you know whatever it could end up uh, bow changing. Mm-hmm. And now your body's ability to handle force through your foot, through your ankle, through your knee, through your hip is completely compromised because you haven't developed your hip and your ankle. And now you've got all these knee issues growing up. But as soon as you then come back to your foundations of foot and ankle and hip, I, I wonder what happens to your knee. Does it learn to track different? Does your patella change its placement? I'd imagine it's something like a change of tracks um, because of your lower tissue and your upper tissue and how they're reforming spirally, diagonally, nothing's attached straight up and down or side to side, right? Mm -hmm. But the more rotation you get and the more triplane loading you're going to get through your foot and ankle and your hip and you do it intentionally, you start to give your body an opportunity to self-organize to then find a better way to handle forces. Fascinating stuff. I I thought it was a cool little fact. Gosh, thumbprint. I I love it. Um, going through the child development stages that I've recently gone through and still going, going through, they really, you know, it's interesting to start reading articles about like the bouncy ring that you connect to the top of the door frame and they just bounce, bounce, bounce. And it's like, it's like people are starting to realize, you know, therapists starting to realize you're training them to load calves all day long. And forefoot, which is pretty cool, right? I mean, it's pretty cool what you're training them to Your do. Kids got some really big calves, bro. Right, but they, ne- but yeah, but they don't go through. They don't go through hips. And um, I ran into um, a fellow parent, and just walking through the park, and just saw one of their kids like literally walking on toes. Younger kid, you know, two, one, one and a half. And I, I was just kind of, I just chatted with the mom a little bit, and you know, I said, hey, um, I'm, I'm noticing, you know. And she's like, yeah, we were told from our, um, from our, uh, our pediatrician that uh, we shouldn't do the bounce thing anymore because they were doing it for like two hours a day, three hours a day. And now she doesn't know how to walk through her heels. We have to reteach it. I mean, you know, it's, it isn't a permanent fix, but it was, right. that, it was, that, um, it was that really like interesting. Like, wow. Like this is, it's, it's a, it is a, a training tool. It's an amazing training tool. Just like the rattle. Hmm. Maybe a different podcast. The podcast, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some ways that we, we've talked about squats, right? Talk about the hips. In these devel- developmental stages, a- any age, and then you teenager, go to go high school age, college age, and then as an adult, what is something that is kind of universal, um, that like squats, that we could work on that's like for ankle, right? If we've, we talk a lot about the hip, and we talk about a little bit ankle position in those SFT positions, what's like... Uh, um, a simple exercise or activity that's going to give us a good gauge of how their ankle is able to stabilize. And if their ankle doesn't do it, we're going to see their knee track over. I'm thinking like some single leg type stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to go non-equipment first. You know, I love it. Yeah. You know, because um, we can go equipment easy. Um, what I really love about an ankle um, is to isolate it out. You know, it's like I really like going kneeling. One single leg kneeling. So one leg's out, out in front. And you can basically weight shift kind of almost all your weight over to that, to that foot. Still feels stable, you know, shutting down the hips for the most part. And really kind of getting just that knee and ankle complex kind of all by itself. And then from there, in, because it's so anterior, you're really not going to test too much um, dorsiflexion because you really have to shoot way over to, to go get it. But you can really start to have that person uh, literally move their knee left and right. 
and you hmm. can just see, does that foot follow along? So I'm actually driving the knee to see what the foot does. And I can get to see, does it, does it go through inversion and eversion, pronation and supination? You know, when they actually, when I say, just spin your, your tib and fib, just spin it. Does it, do I see the heel spin too? It's subtle, right? But, but it's not that weight bearing and it's super isolated. The hip can't help for the most part, mm-hmm. you know? So it's really just knee ankle. Um, then you can go all the way standing. And what I like about the true stretch, which I'm, I know I'm throwing in some equipment here, but long story short, a mope stick, a wall, something to stabilize them so they do not have to worry about balance. And literally say, can you put pressure through all five toes? Like, can you put pressure through the big, big toe? Can you feel the small toe? Can you feel at least the big toe and the other four, four toes? Can they go through forefoot loading and unloading? supination and pronation forefoot right so not the back half but the front half and then at the very last a good old-fashioned opposite side foot single leg balance reach we're getting the whole system going you know it's what we do in our assessment and to really see um, how their whole body integrates through that foot and ankle and really telling them and then the last thing i do is literally have them go toe in toe out actually no i'm going to go toe straight both hands on hips and just spin their hips left and right. Because I say, now drive your hips, and I want to see those heels move. And some, it's really telling. that. Like Honestly, I do that one probably every single time, just to see, do I see the opposing inversion on one side, eversion on the other side, and then the flop inversion on that side and eversion on the opposite side, especially with like, you know, like, a, like a plantar fascia. Anyways, it's mm-hmm. really fascinating to see like how how those heels wick. You got to take the shoes off to really get, or have some barefoot shoe, shoes on. But um, those are probably my three that I really, really like. Non-equipment it's a, based. It's a great way to see the chain reaction that occurs. Like right. if you've got a driver, a lot of people are knee drivers when they walk. Like they walk with their knees mm, or they walk with their calves or they walk with their toes or they walk with their head. You know, how many people do you see walk with their head like forward or run with their head really far forward, mm. but they're, nothing else is following their head. It's just like they're continuously falling. Just by asking the person that's in front of you to drive, a, like when they're kneeling down and you had them f- drive their knee forward or turn their knee in and turn their knee out, you're going to see when that knee turns in, hopefully that foot collapse. Mm-hmm. And as you turn that knee out, hopefully you see that foot arch. And that's like the foundations of just getting their foot to breathe. You see it flowing into a, a lengthening and shortening, right? It's like an inhale and an exhale. And then you start to just see if they are aware of those things occurring because so many people are so unaware of their feet. And a lot of it comes down to their shoes are too small, too tight, or too much cushion and support. Same thing with the knee. There's too much supporting their knee. How many people come in with knee braces because their knee hurts? There's nothing wrong with a knee brace, but if you rely on a knee brace to support your knee, your knee is going to only get weaker because it's supporting, it's being supported by an external thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely nothing wrong with it. But However, what purpose? Yeah, you're, you're using it to help to get end? them back into more support. Do they have an injury and they don't want the surgery? Like, there's a lot of things to consider naturally, but for the most part, anybody with that knee discomfort, we we take them down a kneeling position and see their foot move. If their foot can move, or it starts to move, all of a sudden now they've got some proprioceptive awareness in their foot. Their foot can feel the ground. Sometimes just taking shoes off and somebody doing having somebody do a squat, their knee pain goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. You're like, we didn't do a damn thing today. I just make you take your shoes off. Your knee pain has gone. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, just letting the feet breathe, let them be a support, let them be a base. Um, 
But I have to say this. I have to plug because the BAPS board, that one is crushes it in terms of ability. It's not very functional because the ground doesn't really move the way that we're asking the board to move. But in terms of showing off, like I would say good chunk, I'll say uh, the majority cannot hit in a an, an everted roll, a like pronated roll. Kick out, kick it in. They can maybe, yeah, they can crush sagittal plane, dorsiflexion planner. They can actually get pretty good lateral, but they can't roll into it. They can't roll the hmm. edge clockwise or counterclock. Um, it's really interesting. You know, they can go into supination super, super well, but they just, there's no neuromuscular firing to make that happen. Like they, they, like they say, my brain hurts to try to do it. That's um, wild. So anyways, that's uh, yeah, a little tilt board, powerful, powerful piece of yeah, equipment. Exactly. Exactly. Show me what your ankle can do and we're going to realize what it can't do. Right. And again, it's, I'm going to say it's the majority they cannot pronate. So it's really interesting. You know, they just, they really walk on this, on this really loaded lateral side, which is a locked up foot ankle, which therefore means it's not going to take much absorption at all. So where's this, what's the next joint? Right to the knee. Right to the knee. Hmm. Man, I'm glad we got the MDMC course. I tell you what. Yeah, what, yeah, what's, what's the, like, if we're going to talk about the knee, or, you know, we talk a lot about different joints and different me- mechanics and chain reaction, how to cha- train these pieces. What's, like, those little nuggets of knowledge that I don't want to let the whole course out here. I mean, it's going to take hours to talk about it. Got to do the course. But what is it about, uh, about the knee that we, we go into in this course that even when you were learning about the knee in such a bigger, more global way, um, through Gray Institute and then applying it with our clients. What is it, the spin that we take on the knee and, and educating what it can do and how it works and how to train the knee? I, yeah, and I think it's really just understanding like the physics of it first. Like the, uh, we said it well, or you, you said it especially well, how does it load? Really understand how, the, how all the muscles first slow the knee down, then speed it up. Like that was like the biggest aha motion, uh, a moment. And I think what, what we do well is, it, is it's, it's really don't try to run faster. Realize how you can slow down from speed faster and how the knee and its friends really do that very, very well. And if you can really understand the foot and you can really understand the hip, and I think we do a great job of talking about that, then the knee, it kind of gets taken care of. And that's a really kind of cool thing. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about it that much. Or if someone presents himself with, with knee pain, you tweak the foot. Tweaking the foot, changing its angle, changing its, its uh, position, changing its uh, height, and changing the same thing with, with the hip. If, if you can involve better foot mechanics, if you can involve better hip mechanics, and have that knee pain literally go away. <laughs> like I tell a story in the course. Someone came with massive knee pain so bad like two physical therapists, two surgeons says, you know, that's all it's bad. That's as good as it's going to get. You just got a bad case of the knees. Bad case of the knees. The bee's knees. (laughs) And, um, she reluctantly tried one of our group training sessions and my tweak was towing in on a lateral lunge. Knee pain. She literally freaked out in a sense, called me the next day crying because of happiness. My leg is sore my knee's not. What'd you do? And I'm like, uh, I, I kind of forgot what I did. You know, it's like just a small thing. 
but having the understanding, the know-how to be like, to not be stuck, to not be stuck. Like, I don't know what to do. It's like, no, I got 20 options. I got 10 options with the ankle. I got 10 options with the hip. Don't even, don't even start with the thoracic spine, which we haven't talked about at all in this podcast. Which is crazy, man. (laughs) You start messing with the thoracic spine, you start really messing with with the knee, but we'll keep it simple though. Yeah. I want to share a story too before we close this one down. I used to have extremely bad knee pain. Like I was, this is like elementary school through middle school. And then I just kind of got over it and dealt with it. I was like, oh, it's growing pains. Well, we know that didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't growing pains. I didn't, even for a quick <laughs> I didn't get much taller for those of you listening. By uh, far, we stayed this way. Um, but basically, I had I was diagnosed with Osgood-Schlatter's disease, mm. or, and I wasn't really sure what that is. It was just kind of a swelling around the knee and inflammation. And when that swelled up, dude, I didn't want to walk. I, I would sit on the couch, like having to hold my knees in a position just to the point where I'm an athletic kid. And then all of a sudden, you know, I go for a run. And then the next day my knees were like, were swollen right around my kneecap, right below my kneecap. I got this big bump, big mm. bulge coming out on both knees. Go to the doctor. They gave me this little, I was going to slaughter strap, pull it around. It's like a little knee support that kind of lifts up. So it takes oh. off some of the compression. It helped, but didn't get rid of it. And it, it felt like my knees got weaker and weaker as I was doing it. And not knowing any better. That's just kind of like how I just dealt with it. Right. And looking back now at that age to have no hope and just be like, all right, this is just kind of how it is. I got bad knees. Like that's how I felt. And I dealt with like different back pains and shoulder pains stuff growing up. We've talked about that in the past, but my knees, that's one that, I mean, I haven't, I've had little knee stuff pop up here and there, but my thought isn't, oh shit, my knees are fucked. Right. It's my knees need some more assistance. So anytime I had knee pain coming up as I was learning these things um, in the past decade, it's like, all right, got to go to my TFL, check that one out, do a little foam rolling, maybe it's tight. Ah, that didn't really help at all. All right, I'm going to go to the calf. All right, that didn't really help at all too. It just felt really good. All right, I'm going to try my inner thigh. And then you just start kind of working around these different spots and all of a sudden knee pain dissipates like 80% and you just feel it. It's like the lingering. And then all of a sudden you go move and squat and it's like, ah, I still kind of feel it. But the more you move after you've primed that tissue... All of a sudden, the knee realizes it's got friends. It sh- it's kind of turns off that inflammation, as an easy way to put it. Yeah, and enough. my butt and my ankle now are taking the load of what was going into my knee. It was just these forces that were jamming. Nothing wrong with my knee. My knee was like, I'll just take it. Keep punching me. Keep kicking me. I, I will take the next hit. It's like, no, knee, you don't need to do that. And uh, yeah, I, just, I, I am so inspired now to work with kids who are working with a little bit of knee pain because it's you're not going to fix something it's like we got a foam roll we got to stretch but you can set them up for better and better success mm-hmm. with better movement and it's just preparing them and priming them better there's nothing really to fix there's only something to do better right we're not fixing a bad knee though you may phrase it that way what we're doing is supporting a knee that's been taking a lot of extra stress and if we can change that narrative of like anytime we've got uh, a joint pain which a lot of times it's knees and low back those two spots are two spots that uh, transfer a lot of forces. Ground yeah. reaction force, you're doing a lot of gravity and having to hold yourself with your posture, low back. That's going to affect your knees and your knees and low back. They're like a tag team of taking all the bullshit. The hips and the ankles and the thoracic spine are what's surrounding that space. Mm-hmm. We build better T-spine tissues, like the whole core. We build better hip tissues. We build better ankle tissues. Those ones that are in between that are taking all this extra hits, they're going to be very happy, good tissues. Yeah, and uh, give you a long life of movement that uh, typically, gosh, yeah, it's just, yeah, typically something they beat up and they're done by 65. 
and that's it. You're riding the pine the rest of the rest, rest of the show. You know, it's like, oh, there, there are miles left, man. You yes. got miles left. And yeah. even if they are shot and getting gunky, a lot of times people have damaged tissues and they learn how to use their hips and their ankles more. Those tissues that were hurting remain damaged, but they don't hurt. Gosh, I got to bring one quick story up before we end. Thank you, please. Our G1 program, our group level one program, was founded by a person, well, my, myself, but inspired by a person who had, as she would describe, bone on bone knees. And she tried our group two level. At that point, we didn't have a one. You know, it was just, it was the two, make it simple. She said, make me a program that I could do that don't beat up my knees because they're bone on bone for years of running. I can only do cycling. That's the only thing that makes me feel good. You may be a program that I, that I could do, and I'm, I'm in. And that's what we built. We built G1, low impact. She trained in G1 for, I'm going to make it a rough, a rough number here. I'm thinking, I think eight years longer before she got surgery on, on her knees. Eight more years. And she would say quite pain-free until it's like, okay, I'm ready to go now. I think her insurance kicked in and she was, boom, let's, let's get these mm-hmm. things, things done. It's possible. It's there. If you have, if you want to go after those types of clients and have the knowledge to train those types of clients, then it's just one to let you know it's out there and we're working on it. I wish I would love to say that we have all of it, but I don't know. We're just working on it. No, oh, man. Stepping stones are key. Nobody's going to have all of it. If you think you got all of it, you're, you've stopped too soon. I would say so too. Yeah. Well, Hey, anything, anything you want to add before we, uh, before we close this one down? I mean, that was pretty, pretty good story. I opening think, that G1 session. I, man. I think, uh, I think this was the bee's knees. I'll, I'll say it again. <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening. If you want to know more and you want to dive into ankle mechanics, knee mechanics, hip mechanics, spine mechanics, and how they all work together, integrate into one solid, holistic human being, we have a course. It's a multidimensional movement coaching course. Take you through the extenses of all of those biomechanics and then how to train behaviorally and understand physics in such a way that you've got the biology, you've got the behavioral, you've got the physical, and it all comes together as one great program to serve your people. Please, please, please reach out. It's a powerful program and has changed my life. It's changed our coaches' lives and it's made great coaches of good coaches and even better coaches of those coaches. So keep on keeping on, y'all. Right on. See you next time. See you soon. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. 
We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.